Ladies and gentlemen, start your engines. Burning rubber into this corner, tails from the car ripped. And the challenger with the shiny new paint job. Car, are you afraid of the dark? Folks, rev them if you got them, cause this is Put Up Your Spoon. This week's theme... Cars. We're racing into your ears. Should I just drive headlong into it? Nice. My episode is Tales from the Crypt, King of the Road. Two bitchin' muscle cars pull up to the starting line for a drag race. They rocket down the strip. One driver loses control, flips his car. The other driver laughs maniacally. This is Billy, played by a young Brad Pitt. Billy's next stop is the house of the man and his daughter. Uh, the man is fixing up a car in the driveway. Uh, he's underneath, wrenching on it. And Billy comes over. He admires the car. But the dad says that his real ride is parked out front. It's a police car. So Billy's asking this policeman if he knows where he can find the Iceman. And this shocks the uh, police officer. So he slides out from another car, gets up, and Billy is nowhere to be seen. So he runs out into the street looking for Billy, and then Billy is behind the wheel of his hot rod, gunning straight for him down the center of the road. The police officer stares him down unflinchingly. He is the Iceman. Kind of like an Iceman. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Brad Pitt swerves around him and uh, takes off. So that night, at a 50-style diner, uh, we see the policeman, he's ordering uh, dinner from his daughter. She's a waitress there. And then Billy pulls up alongside him and apologizes for his behavior earlier. He's just a big fan of the Iceman, and he just wants to race him. The name's Joe. Joe Garrett. Hey, you don't have to be modest with me, Iceman. I mean, you, you're a legend. I've been hearing stories about you for as long as I can remember. Never lost a race. Eight years straight. King of the road. Too bad I had to end the way it did. Joe refuses to race Billy, or you could say he refuses the call to adventure, but then he doesn't refuse the call to his duty. He gets a call over the radio, police work, he takes off. That just leaves his young daughter and a young Brad Pitt. Soon after, he's driving recklessly through traffic with her, and she's loving it. And he drops her off at home, and then he pops an envelope and a tarantula into the mailbox. In the morning, Joe goes out to his mailbox barefoot. The tarantula crawls onto his hand, so he shakes it off and stomps on it barefoot. Yeah, gross. Yeah, it is probably the grossest thing to happen in this episode. You know, spoiler, but oh man, I did not expect him to, like, stamp on that tarantula barefoot. Iceman is stone cold. I mean, I expected him to just let it go free. Yeah, or fling it or something. Befriend it, set it against Brad Pitt. Or go put a boot on and stomp on it, (laughs) but but not step on it barefoot. I mean, I was just... Who's walking around in the Arizona desert barefoot in the first place? Iceman. Iceman. (laughs) That that, that was a subtle clue that he was, you know, beginning his transformation to the Iceman. (laughs) 
the envelope is full of newspaper articles about the Iceman who eluded manslaughter charges in a crash that killed a teenager. That night, Joe's sitting in, in his cop car, and Billy pulls up alongside and is trying to goad him into a race. But again, Joe refuses. But when Billy speeds off recklessly, Joe has an excuse to chase him down. So he calls in the plates, dispatch, and... They say that he's got a, a rap sheet very similar to the Iceman's. And they even say... Seems as though he's the hottest street racer they got down there. Which is a strange thing to have on, on the rap sheet. But he's hot, and Iceman is cool. That's right. They end up taking both lanes side by side, racing down the street. Joe blinks first and swerves, but only because Billy was about to run headlong into a truck. They both spin out. And Billy escapes. So after a shift, Joe goes home to discover that Billy is there putting envelopes and tarantulas into his daughter's mailbox, so to speak. (laughs) He FFOs, beats the crap out of Billy, and handcuffs him, but Billy blackmails him into letting him go. He'll tell everyone that Officer Garrett was a man-slaughtering punk. He repeats his demand. He wants a race. So Garrett lets him go. And the daughter runs off with Billy and they drive away. Joe tracks down Billy at his home, who reveals that he has his daughter chained up in a trunk. And he'll only let her go if Joe agrees to race. So they pick a place in time. The airstrip outside of town tomorrow at midnight. Joe goes to a junkyard where his old buddy from his drag racing days keeps the hot rod. It's all tuned up and ready to go. Meanwhile, Billy's at the tattoo parlor getting Garrett's name added to the list of other racers on his arm. Premature. It does seem like tattooing your chickens before they hatch. (laughs) To the appointed time, Joe shows up in his old muscle car and his leather jacket. He has finally become Iceman. Billy hands over the daughter and the gun. They get ready to race. If Billy wins, he goes free. If Billy loses, Iceman will kill him. They race. Iceman wins. But just like before, he swerves off the road. Billy looks up and sees a construction site and a parked bulldozer. He plows right into it. Iceman walks over and finds Billy all smashed up. Billy concedes defeat. Psych, he drops his lighter into the spilling gas and tries to blow them both up. But Iceman is still just too fast, and he escapes. He and his daughter watch Billy burn, fulfilling the ultimate destiny of a greaser rockabilly villain. Rock a villain. Rock a villain. So, a couple notes about this one. Music by Warren Zevon. It's Lost Boys AF. There's elements of Fight Club in it. Brad Pitt is uh, waggling his tongue all the time. Oh my god, so much tongue waggling. It was disgusting and confusing. <laughs> I would say it was very sexual. Because Billy was kind of like stalking Joe, and he was like obsessed. He had, he had, he had like a like a crush on him, and he was trying to rekindle his passion. Like when Brad Pitt goes to put the moves on Joe's daughter, the compliment he gives her is like, "You, you got, got your, your dad's father's eyes. eyes." Yeah, I was like, "Ooh, is that a pickup line?" He really, obviously, is using the daughter as no. a means to get. Iceman out of retirement and the scene where Joe is beating up the half-naked Billy is like really intimate like they get like nose to nose and Brad Pitt's like 
walking around him and like grabs him from behind at and one point. And he's touching his nipples and such. Yeah. I didn't really read that into it, but now that you say so, yeah, I get it. It's super sexual. And he gets his name tattooed on his arm. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Anyway, uh, this episode was fucking awesome. One of my favorite tales from the crypt. One of the weirdest things was in the scene where uh, Garrett, the cop, goes to track down Billy. Billy is hanging out in like a demolished house and the entire side of the house has been torn off. So they're doing a walk and talk, but the house is exposed. So Billy is walking through the house room by room, but you can see one long tracking shot. It was a really weird, cool effect that ends with Billy pulling up the gun and opening up the trunk to reveal that he has Garrett's daughter in the trunk. And what's funny about their agreement is that Billy picks the place, Garrett picks the time. Garrett picks tomorrow night at midnight, which is consigning his daughter in the trunk to an entire another day and night. I was like, I hope there's a shot where Billy is like teasing her or something at the table because if she's in this trunk all like until the race, she's going to die. It's really hot in there. That was really weird. Like I know that a he had to go find a really fast car and maybe he was just padding it like he was in a racetrack with a bulldozer at the end. He was giving himself an extra day to find a fast car because he couldn't have known that his old burnout buddy from his drag race days was, would have kept the car like in prime condition for 20 or 30 years. Yeah. What was he going to do if that car didn't exist anymore? Yeah. Call an Uber or Get something. I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. That was, was going to be, be tough, especially since Billy said he was going to have to kill the girl. Yeah. If uh, Iceman didn't show up, I wasn't paying enough attention at the very beginning. And so all I saw was a drag race where a car flipped and yep. like someone obviously got demolished, and then Brad Pitt started, uh, you know, fucking with Iceman about the guy he killed in the past. And so I was like, oh, Brad Pitt is the ghost that got killed in the drag race with Iceman. So for half the episode, I was laboring under the delusion that Brad Pitt was the fatality from the beginning of the episode. He was a ghost, but then he started bleeding and stuff. So I was like, ooh, maybe, maybe I'm wrong here. Well, the fact that like the daughter worked at a '50s diner, it had. It had the trappings like it's weird. They almost went out of their way to make Billy not a ghost. Right. And he was like a greaser with, you know, all the 50s trappings. He was a rockabilly greaser. But for the most part, you know, metaphorically, he was Iceman's past coming back to haunt him. At one point, you know, Billy even says, I'm your karma he does. In in story pun count, one. And we know from the list on uh, Billy's arm that the guy in the front, the guy in the beginning of the episode was Bernie Rebel. He was the, the previous <laughs> right. drag racer that got smashed up. Is that supposed to sound like burning rubber? I don't know, man. But I thought it was interesting that Bernie Rebel was like an older guy yeah. who kind of looked oh, wealthy. Oh, because he was looking for Iceman. He was looking for Iceman and... Bernie Rebel was kind of like a, a stand-in for the ice. So all the dudes that he killed down in Florida were just old, past their prime, too slow. A, we don't know that. Not a and very good. 
and B, uh, youth is not necessarily that important when it comes to uh, drag racing. You have a lot more reckless abandon when you're young. You certainly have that. He's going to come riding out of oblivion just like Shane, and oh man, that road is going to burn! <laughs> racing right along, we come to my episode. None other than Are You Afraid of the Dark? And this is new cast Are You Afraid of the Dark, so I didn't remember this episode at all. I was coming into it fresh. The Midnight Society, your beloved Midnight Society, we see Tucker whining like a little baby about his hand-me-down bike. Even though we've seen him ride a sweet BMX bike in a different episode that we've done. But maybe that was like a later episode because we're doing them out of order. I don't remember. In the tale, the two main characters are Justin and Craig. Craig is late picking Justin up from work, I think, because he was busy macking on the girl Justin likes. He calls Justin a nerd and laughs about how he smashed the driver's side mirror off Justin's mother's car. Then Just he like makes he smashed that girl that Justin likes. He probably did that too. Then he makes a PMS joke. Okay, look, don't get all crampy on me, all right? He's a terrible, terrible person and should not be anyone's friend. He's too, like you want arcs for your characters, but he's too big a dick to have maintained a lifelong friendship with Justin, the super nerd. Uh, that's because Justin is just a hangdog yeah, loser that will go along with anything. He's codependent. Yeah. I mean, I understand why Craig wants Justin around, because he's like, give me your car, I'm going to yeah. go mac on your girl. You'll get everything. Uh, so the next day, they go to the junkyard to find a new mirror, and they find a car that's like all smashed up. It's the same model, but it's a different year, so they can't use the mirror, because it has slightly rounder mirrors. But Craig is like grinding on the car and imagining the crash how it went down and he like wants to be in the movie crash so desperately yeah he's a crash asexual yeah and then as this is going down a shadowy figure watches them from the shadows then they wander into a different part of the junkyard and the shadowy figure guy is like this 19 year old kid with a dumb hat and he's like hey you want a real car you got to get this baby he's sitting on like an old muscle car it was supposed to be from the 60s but i don't know if that was an actual 60s car but it's neither here nor there and he like revs it up he shows them how how wonderful the engine purrs and craig of course is like sold and justin is like what about my mirror then craig goes off to find the owner and make his purchase and another guy comes out and justin's like yeah this is the car this is the engine you just heard and the guy just does a thousand yard stare and then everyone leaves. And as soon as everyone's gone, a big dump truck in the background like revs up and all the lights start flashing, the end. Cut to an extreme 90s music video montage as they're fixing up the car. It goes on for a really, really long time. It was like watching Pimp My Ride or something. Quick cuts. Quick cuts, uh, Dutch angles, fish flashes. lenses, uh, time lapses. Silly music. Finally, they're finished, although I think they spent at least seven times the car's value because they had to swap out every single part. Uh, so as soon as they roll the car, the fixed up car, out of the garage, the thousand yard stair junkyard guy just comes out from behind the bushes and is like, hey, here's a new mirror for your mom's car. Craig is like so psyched to take his car out for a spin even though it's not registered. Um, but just then his mom screams and he's like, oh, I guess my mom found my report card. I gotta go. You got an A and smashing. Justin walks away and uh, the junkyard guy puts his hand right through the car, but then he touches it again and it's solid. So then he does another thousand yards there and then he leaves, I guess. Uh, so the guys drive their car. <laughs> They're gonna go. <laughs> thousand yard stair count, high. <laughs> 
He's got a lot of trauma, this guy, apparently. So Craig is like, let's go see your girlfriend. I'm gonna touch her butt. They drive off to go see the crush girl, and in the junkyard, the dump truck fires up and drives away. The guys are driving on the highway. They roll into, like, a ghost fog, and their radio fritzes out and starts playing only 60s surf music. Uh, they get to the diner. I I'm assuming it's the girlfriend girl's diner, but it's, like, all clean and brand new and 50s style. 50s style diner account one. Inside the diner the is the junkyard guy, the first junkyard guy. And he's like, hey, giant guy in the corner, these guys are driving the car now. And he's like, I will eat you alive and I'll see you on Highway 13. He's like four times their size. Uh, and they're like, whoa, huh? So they drive away because they're very scared. And all of a sudden the dump truck is right behind them, <laughs> like right on their tail. And that diner dude is behind the wheel. Uh, somehow they get kind of lost, they don't know where they are, but they find themselves on Highway 13, where that dump truck guy said he was gonna meet them, and he's there too, he starts to duel them, like Spielberg style, and a crazy car chase ensues, they make a last minute crazy turn off the highway onto an off ramp, but they're right back on Highway 13, and they're right back in front of the diner, and as soon as they get to the diner, the dump truck buzzes their car, like, right in front, but then he's gone, he drives away. So they go back into the diner, the junkyard guy tells them they have to beat the jump truck in a race to the bridge on Highway 13. Then the thousand-yard stare junkyard guy comes in, and he's like, no fair, dude, these guys didn't know the rules, and the other guy's like, whatever, fuck those guys. The junkyard guys, it turns out, got into a race with the dump truck in the 1960s, but neither of them relented in time or sped up in time, and both of them splattered their brains against the bridge in a horrific crash. Although that car was not crashed up enough to have been smashed into a bridge, unless someone did some bodywork on it after the fact. I mean, ghost power. It followed its own rules. Now it turns out that everyone, all the ghost junkyard dudes, and Craig and Justin, and the dump truck guy, they're all stuck in a Phantom Cab-style ghost race loop. And the only way to get out of it is to win the race against the dump truck. So, Craig realizes that he's been a total dickbag and he goes off to race alone. The junkyard ghosts appear in the car during the race and they're coaching him on. They're like, go, 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 get the lead out, put your, the lead in your foot. While they're goading him, it, it comes out that the junkyard ghosts are the assholes who actually instigated the race in the first place. And so Craig, in his newfound innocence, realizes what went wrong. He stomps on the brakes. He gets the lead in. The dump truck makes it to the bridge first and disappears into the ether. He gives the car back to the junkyard ghosts, one of whom is, like, raving that he didn't win the race, and the other one's like, thanks, pal. Wow, you did what I couldn't. And then they drive off, probably into hell, because they were jerks who, killed, who killed the dump truck driver. Uh, then the dump truck guy comes back out of the ether and is like, thanks, boys. It, it, it must have been a Halloween or like a full <laughs> the, moon yeah. on uh, April 1st or whatever the fuck. Because, yeah, they're just coming back and forth through the veil. So he, he, he's like, I never really wanted to race. And then Craig is still kind of a dick to him, giving him a really sarcastic double thumbs up. He's like, whatever, dump truck guy. I'm not that, I'm not that reformed. After that, Craig is nicer to Justin. And he's like, hey, you know, I, I was only talking to your girlfriend because I was trying to talk you up. Lie. You know he's just going to turn into a dick again in a couple of days. The end. So first of all, this episode was so weird. <laughs> yeah. The the actors, Justin and Craig, were weirdly old. And not just like teenagers, but they looked like child actors that had 
aged out. That's exactly what they were, in fact. I'm pretty yeah. sure the Justin kid was in a... No- oh, Justin uh, is um, Jake and the Leprechaun. He's Jake from Jake and the Leprechaun. I, I, I was able to actually place him without looking up his credits. <laughs> I was like, I have seen a smaller version of that guy's face before. I forgot it until just this moment. That is Jake from Jake and the Leprechaun. Uh-huh. He was also in three episodes of Goosebumps and one episode of Big Wolf on Campus. Wow. He was also in a short I saw at the Toronto International Film Festival where a boy discovered his latent homosexuality. And Justin was the dick friend. Just to remind our audience that uh, Ryan's Canadian credentials are strong. Yeah, I deserve this job. (laughs) You really do. (laughs) Four more years. Four more years. Not only did you have these like child actors who'd aged out and just really looked strange... Um, but it was about like muscle cars and going fast and diners and girls and head to head races with, but everyone um, was a dweeb dump trucks. The way it was shot, the music, it was really like quasi testosterone filled, which was such a, a weird look for an, are you afraid of the dark episode? And they didn't get there, which is, they did not. They tried uh, very hard. Unlike yeah. Tales from the Crypt, where I forgot to mention it, had that one shot where Brad Pitt was like getting ready for the race, and he was smoking, I think, and he was He's he, it cut to a super close-up on his mouth, and yeah. he was like, rah, 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 and they also cut in revving engine sounds, and all the smoke was coming out of him like so exhaust. Awesome. But then, of course, he waggled his tongue, and I got confused again. <sighs> Something about seeing a young Brad Pitt's waggling tongue... Time to Shrew slash Kryptonite, not applicable. No. Body count for Tales from the Crypt, uh, one spider, one nope. rockabilly. If I couldn't count thousands of lizard eggs, we can't count the spider. But we saw that spider die on screen. We saw all the burst eggs with the goo coming out. And I mm. and you didn't let me count the dog either. Spider does not count, <laughs> sir. <laughs> Alright, then I guess we I guess Billy. And Billy. the one guy from the beginning. Who and rolled maybe, his car? Uh, Bernie Rebel. Bernie Rebel. Uh, we don't know if he died though. Body count for Highway 13 zero. It had ghosts, ghosts. so we again, yeah, we didn't see it happen. So scare factor zero for both. You know, I, I think if you were like a a kid watching Highway 13, the the stunt driving where like the the dump truck was roaring right up against. The other car is kind of scary. Yeah, maybe. Drive fast, car accidents. Um, gross factor for Tales from the Crypt, high. Yeah. Ugh. Dude stepped on a tarantula barefoot. Gross factor for Highway 13, zero. zero. Theme of cars. High. I think I'm going to give that one to Tales from the Crypt. Tales from the Crypt had two cars. Oh, maybe three cars. Are you afraid of the dark? Only had one and a half. Totally 80s. um, Like I said, Lost Boys style. I wasn't getting a very big 80s vibe off of this one. I was getting more of a 50s vibe off of this one. There was also the Warren Zevon music. uh, Yeah, which is like a 70s vibe. That's not 70s. Isn't it? Yeah, didn't he make most of his music? Was he more of an 80s guy? I'd say 70s, 80s. Mm. I still have to say low. Look, your your episode's going to win, but totally 80s quite low hello 90s just for that music video montage alone and the giant oversized jackets, jackets. <laughs> that the guys were wearing like i know they're in canada but that was hella 90s one of the shorts i made in canada features 
this jacket's very much like that. What the factor? Tales from the Crypt. I would say the only what the factor was one that Brad Pitt wasn't a ghost. Yeah. It was actually confusing at first. Yeah. And two, that the father would set a time that was a full like 24 or like 30 something hours later that he would have a chance to win his daughter's uh, life back. What the factor for Highway 13? The two ghost dudes who were driving the car in the beginning, the junkyard dudes, they were from the 60s and they crashed and burned in the 60s, but they were wearing modern day 90s jackets and toques. And they what were the working, fuck? walking around and they had their own private ghost diner. I- I'm going to give that one to Highway 13. I just say, for the sheer <laughs> inexplicable <laughs> rambling ghost And power. also a disturbing lack of flapper ghosts in the ghost diner. They only work on the uh, night shift. <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. Lesson learned. Yeah, what does it teach us? Uh, Tales from the Crypt teaches us that you you can't outrun your past, you can't outdrive your past, can't outrun your past, and your daughter speed kills. Speed kills, and your daughter is always gonna fuck around with jerks for at least a few years. Yeah, she's so got that Iceman DNA. Get used to it. What okay. does Lesson Are You learned. Afraid of the Dark teach us? Don't challenge dump trucks to races. Don't be a misogynist. I don't know. What's the actual lesson of this episode? Oh, don't be a dick to your friends, I guess. I think the lesson should be that there's no way a 28,000-pound dump truck can outrace, like, a Dodge Charger that only weighs a fraction as much but has the same horsepower. Yeah. But again, if if your driver doesn't have that lead foot, if he's not able to get the lead out, you know, yeah, the dump truck. I guess the dump truck driver really had it. Yeah, could hold his own. Maybe he had NOS in that dump truck. Yeah, lesson learned. Don't buy cars from ghosts. Ooh, definitely don't buy cars from ghosts. Or do buy cars oh, from ghosts, because then you get to go on a delightful adventure. And there's so little of that in our lives. That car was totally sweet, but Craig paid whatever he paid, and... Then the ghost took the car through the veil <laughs> to hell. It's true. He's really out of money, but at least he gets to keep his life, I suppose. And they had the bonding experience of building a car together as friends in a 90s music video montage. So You can't put a price on that. Winner. Tales from the Crypt. King of the Road. I give you my license plate in deference. Thank you. <laughs> clink, 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 clink. I, I just unscrewed it and it fell to the ground. Theater of the mind. Now I'm going to pick it up off the ground. Now I'm going to polish it. <laughs> Here. Now I'm going to polish the license plate. <laughs> I'm going to rewatch uh, Tales from the Crypt. Hang on a second. <laughs> King of the Road. So before we started rolling, Ryan brought up a good point. Head to head, who would win? Now, if this were a category, I would call this like Worlds Collide, you know, monster from one episode versus monster in another episode. But this is literally a road race. So between Iceman, Billy, 60s Ghosts, and the dump truck driver, I mean, Billy and Iceman all day. Oh, he, they would certainly ice the dump truck. They would smoke everyone from Highway 13. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, I think that goes without saying. Although, Billy would definitely drive his fucking car straight into that bridge. He never sees what's right in front of him. Maybe that's the lesson. He only has eyes for Iceman. <laughs> that's the problem, is that he's just waggling his tongue and staring at Iceman's so, baby yeah. clothes. Billy and Junkyard Ghosts flattened against a bridge piling. That's 150 Steiner. <laughs> I'd like to see. See what I'm at with the team. There's something in my rearview mirror coming up. Rerun for your drives!